Hey you mob, uh, it's Kimmy, you're listening to Kimmy Time. Uh, it's been a while since um, I had did a podcast. Um, so this podcast episode is all about storytelling. Um, I feel that com- comedy gets overlooked as a mode of storytelling. It doesn't get taken seriously for obvious reasons. And so I got together a couple of a couple of friends of mine are Leonie Wyman, Corey Sailor Brunskill, Dion Williams, and Elaine Crombie. Um, obviously, uh, due to COVID reasons, we weren't able to physically get together, uh, but we did uh, have a little conversation via Zoom. So um, the episode uh, that we will be diving into. Um, the quality is not as good as you're hearing right now, um, but we really dive into storytelling and what it's like being black followers, telling our stories and all of that stuff. So hope you enjoy. I'm Leanne Wyman. I'm a Park and G Wiradjuri woman from Wilcannia in Western New South Wales, and I'm currently living in Melbourne. Hello, I'm Corey Sailor Brownskill. I'm a proud Arab and Wyabin man from the Torres Strait Islands and Mrs. Mindy. Billy. I'm an actor and stand-up comic. I like to call myself a professional bullshit artist. Um, I've been acting for 10, going on 11 years now, and doing stand-up comedy for three years, going on four. Woo! Um, I... I'm an actor, singer, songwriter, and I work as a First Nations, First Peoples organiser for the Media Entertainment Arts Alliance. And I've been doing that for two years. And I've been, um, I've been acting since I was probably 13. So only like seven years or so. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, Nah, I've been, I've been um, in the, in acting and performing in the arts industry for about 25 years, just a little bit over. Um, And yeah, I've probably been my, like more of my acting, like proper serious acting, like in the last 10 years, it's just been going gung-ho. As Black Fala entertainers, we are succumbed to a lot of uh, criticism um, from obviously everybody, but more specifically white fellas. Um, Can you talk about some challenges that you've experienced in your careers as stand-up comedians and or actors? With the challenges specific to dealing with like non-Indigenous performers or? Yeah, yeah. Um. I think a big challenge that um, everyone probably can understand is not one I've faced recently because we approached it um, together with a director, um, so it really helped. But it's really important for Indigenous performers and I, I feel like um, Black performers as a whole, if they're working with non-Indigenous or white writers or directors, to have that... Um, the idea of safe space, cultural safety, yeah. Um, there's definitely going to be people always um, kind of connect with each other differently. And I think providing that safe space gives people um, 
we don't have to, you know, change lingos or anything like that. We don't, what's that called? Um, code switching. Yeah, code switching. Code you know, switching. being Indian. that can be good and like that can teach you a lot. You know, how to adapt to situations, but you can't be like that all the time. Mm. So I think it's a very important to have safe spaces. But that's that's just one thing. Safe space, like especially working on very heavy topics where you know, we've just come off doing seven stages doing stuff about you know discrimination and the stolen generation and um a whole lot of everything in that play i think it's for me you know i'm only what three days out of it and i think it's significantly kind of affected me um also, I feel like I've kind of tapped into this thing. I keep on saying it's ancestral memory, um, which, you yeah. know, taps into intergenerational trauma, but, yeah, that kind of feeling that you get of um, connecting to a piece and having to be able to pull out of that, also having support afterwards um you know we were lucky enough to get Anish Shirley Hood to be our cultural consultant where you know I was on the phone with her for like 40 minutes I think it's I think we've really taught you know our director that we had who comes from you know a white background we taught him a lot of things that he needs to you know, make sure if you're tackling work like that with Indigenous actors, you need to have some, you know, cultural consultant safety around you. That as well as, um, you know, proper, proper stuff with, you know, when you're hiring, like if you're hiring black fellows of different nations or you need fellows from different nations, you need to um, be casting fellows from that nation. Like we were supposed to um, sing a Camilleroy song in this um, piece and we had no Camilleroy people um, employed in this cast, like no one to work with in the show. And it's the same along the lines of, you know, hiring, a, you know, you want an Indian person uh, for a certain role. You, you, um, they, they cast an Indian person. They want a white person or, you know, Scottish, Irish, anything like that. They cast that they cast that person with black fellas. They got to they got to learn um, to do the same thing. They want a Wiradjuri person. They had two of us. They want a you know a TSI man. They had Corey. They wanted a Camilleroy person. They didn't have anyone, so they needed to learn that um, if you're going to have people and be telling those stories, especially from different nations and stuff, you need to have someone there, whether they be a part of the production or whether they be in the um, starring in the production. Um, one of the big challenges. Yeah, yeah, one of the big challenges I found for myself is being, um, uh, I've recently started, started to uh, break it in the last, uh, I think, t two years, was being typecast, only, um, only going for blackfella roles, only being allowed to be, you know, only being allowed to portray a blackfella. And in, um, yeah, in the, last, in the last gig that I filmed in October, November last year, I got to play a, um, a bloke who was supposed to be Greek or whatever, which was good. Like, you know, I got to play uh, my first role that wasn't set as a black fella. And um, I mean, even then it was a bloke going to jail, but at the same time, it was still, still yeah, a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. But um, and that with 
like some of those some of those things and people not taking you seriously like especially with comedy some people not taking me as seriously as they would take um you know a, a white stand-up comic or someone else that's you know got a a, a, com, a manager like a comedy manager someone that manages their comedy i do all my uh manage my own comedy myself so people going through other channels to get a hold of me rather than coming to me directly makes me feel it happens every now and then and it also is it feels like the, um people just don't take you as seriously and they don't think you know what you're doing so they think they can you know give you basically you know whatever offer they want or you know whatever or, or you know yeah through someone else and and you and not take, take as seriously as they would anyone else um but the biggest one was definitely not being um being able to play anything other than a black fellow which yeah probably the last probably two, yeah year year i reckon two years if you, yeah, you get I, can, I can totally relate to to being typecast, like just being specifically typecast. My whole career is built on um, black trauma, you know. Yeah. And and for a lot of the time, like it's definitely changing now. The 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 tides are changing, and so getting things like getting specific things like specifically a Gamilaroi person playing a, mm. a role or, you know, a Yonkanjata person or, you know, that kind of thing. Like to have those kind of specificity is amazing to have yeah. that. And so for a lot of the time up until, you know, just recently, like I'd say my first, my first real production that I worked on where everything was taken into account as in like a safe black space for mm. artists was I Am Eora mm. in 2020 where Wesley purposely employed backstage, front stage and actors on stage and creatives. Everyone was black. Everyone yeah, and anyone that was associated with that production was black. Whereas previously I've worked for a lot of, big main stage companies and you know you just you just kind of have to you know and you're making your mark so you have to so so we so for me and my generation we throw ourselves at the mercy of typecast and all of that kind of stuff mm. to make mm. it accessible for for you Dion Leone and Corey to be able to and you Kimberly to not have to put up with that shit, you know, like it's been, it's been a long time coming. Whereas now we have a bit more, we all have a bit more power. And as long as we can all come together and we're all speaking the same script, then people just can't, people just can't have their way with um, yeah. black culture and black stories and treating black fellas. Like you said, Dion, with black, with white comedians who think that they, you know, they can, they that they think that they're better than than these than us young comics that are coming through. Yeah. And it's like no, as seriously as they. Yeah, yeah. Like don't you have to take us seriously as well because we're in it for we understand we understand like to understand comedy is to understand comedy. It's not a it's not yeah. a level it's not a level up thing. You don't level up. If you understand how to break down a joke, then you understand that that's a universal thing. So don't think that you understand it better than what we do. Yeah. Um, can I also 
and anyone can correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I feel like a thing that comes with typecasting is I'm not necessarily being cast as someone indigenous, but like dangerous and damaging roles. And that like, I want to offer Very gig. typical roles where, whether it be cultural, like completely cult based on cultural or um, just, you know, yeah, that negative character. I got offered uh, a role last year and good thing I'm my agent because I was kind of you know hungry for money and they were offering me a role as an indigenous man and it was an educational for educational purposes and it was going to be played forever and I was only going to get a thousand dollars or something for it but um my agent read it and the role of my character was literally an alcoholic and yeah. she had to like she sees what I post on my social media about like black injustices and she's like, I don't think you really want to play this person. And you know, I don't, but then if it was, say I got typecast, maybe not the words, but as like an indigenous leader of sorts, like a doctor or something, but I'm still indigenous. That's not as, um, to me that that's not as, as bad. I don't want to be, cast as things that's that's going to damage my even i'll even say my reputation within my own community you know i don't want them to see me do yeah. roles that yeah exactly. you don't want to perpetuate people's bullshit stereotypes excuse my language it would have been five or six years ago now. It was a similar story corey it was a role on um wentworth and they wanted me to play this um this bong head, you know, um, almost like a junkie. Well, he was, I don't know whether he was a junkie, but I can remember him definitely being uh, in one of the scenes stoned out of his brain. And um, at this time, I was, I was still living in Echuca and I was working at a, um, I think I was 19 or 20, and I was working at a gym, which in Echuca, it's on the, at a barmer farm. And um, not barmer farm, Baruna farm, sorry. And um, right across like 20, well, between 100 meters away from the gym is the rehabilitation center, the healing center. And we had them black fellows in that center coming to the gym every morning and we would take them through a workout every single day, Monday to Friday. And um, I, was, I, just, I, was, I was leaving, I was on the way to Melbourne, uh, about to leave from a to Melbourne. And um, the more I thought about the role, the more you know, realized that there's, there's no way I'm going to do this because of the message it sends, the, the work that I'm doing in the community and that would just undermine completely everything that I, that I say and do would just basically make me out to be a, a hypocrite, you know, like helping these young black fellas and then compounding the stereotype or compounding that look on, um, you know, young black fellas. Yeah. Nah, it's totally true, that kind of thing. Like there are some roles where, where you think, oh, it'll be groundbreaking, whatever, but then... But then there's other things. So to say, take, for instance, me playing a vagina on a web series. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was definitely a comical thing, right? And it was, and it's like definite comedy, but, def, but also, you know, people had really adverse reactions to it, you know? And that's probably, that was like a once, not a, I wouldn't say once in a lifetime, but it's definitely a one-off to like now I've got to I, I did that to kind of make a like to kind of you know sandpaper up 
my image or whatever it is, like even all of the stuff that I'm saying right now, it's just crap, like image and all that kind of blah. But def but also definitely what you're saying, Dion, about about the way we're portraying ourselves in the industry, like it doesn't you you don't have to it it's there is definitely there is definitely something in it that if you make that choice not to play that role then you're actually making a choice for yourself and for your young brothers and sisters as well you know you know you know that you made that choice not to play that role somebody else might still come along and play that but you can stand steadfast in what who you are to go nah, I know that something's better. I know that there's a better portrayal out there than that. Mm -hmm. And for young fellas that come into, that walk onto sets or into rehearsal rooms, like rehearsal rooms are different because you can stand there and have the argument. You can have the argument for weeks and go, that is not a true prediction. You have to explain to me why this person is the way she is. When it comes to filming, you're only there for, you're only there for, and if they're not, you know, that's kind of the way that they, they, they slide in in your periphery is because they'll offer you X amount of dollars that covers your fee plus replays and all, you know what I mean? Like it's big money once you come to that kind of contract. And so to stand there and to get on set and then to question why the character is the way that it is, you're eating up time. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it just becomes a bit of a, a um, you know, you can't really, you can't really do it. Not unless you have contact prior with a, with a director or with the production. But then if you go to question production beforehand, they'll just turn around and get somebody else. You know what I mean? And you can see, you've seen the offer of money and then it all just vanishes. Yeah. And, and that's another, you know, thing. You actually made a great point there, and I like. I don't want to sound too intense for any, but for any like black fellas who are watching, though, when it comes to <laughs> that kind of stuff, I would making the decision I made if I took the money instead of integrity in a way that's like kind of the first steps into selling your soul in this industry. Not literally, like I'll be soulless, but when the money is more important than the work and the message. Um, I don't think, and it's not, uh, it's not for me to call, yeah, but that's it's, for me. That's it, yeah, it's a hard industry. thing because people still got to eat and pay their rent. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, Corey, yeah. I, no, I, I get, get what, what you're saying, it's hard. I know exactly what you're saying because people got to eat. It's just, it's a really hard thing. Mm-hmm. But that's, I'm not judging anyone out there. I just want you to know, you know, as well. No, and that's and and that's the good thing. That's the good thing now about us, about us all. That sorry, Corey, I don't mean to no, no. Um, cut you off. But that's the good thing about us all now is that there is so so much more. There's so many more of us in this industry that for um. Yeah, I, I did. I, I completely forgot you were going to be sharing this, sis. But you know, for anybody that's out there, like, send me a DM. I've all, I was like, even like Leah Purcell, or you know, I was just it was her birthday yesterday, so we was on on the Zoom having a yarn, whatever. 
but you know, I sent <laughs> I sent her a message, and I was like, you know, sis, shit, because she's very much for all of the young fellas, you know, like she always wants to encourage the young fellas. And I said to her, I sent her a little birthday wish last night, and I was like, you know what? I want you to know. I wish for you to know that your the way you work and what you're trying to achieve in regards to building a strong, staunch, black, you know, far-reaching group of artists who want to pay it forward. You're definitely doing that, sis, because she inspires me to do that. And I encourage any young fellas to, if you come across things and you've got to trust your gut, if things don't feel right, then message somebody and just get some, just get a bit of, a bit of advice and just kind of talk it out you know yeah all right uh we'll just jump into the next question uh using as all of you have had your own experiences with doing like comedy stand-up comedy um and as comedy is like another mode of storytelling where do you get your inspiration when you know you have a part where you have to do some kind of like comedic thing or even do stand up like where do you get that inspiration to actually do it i feel that i um i reckon especially with characters it's real life it's very circumstantial like you might the character might even be like someone you know and that can help but with stand up i feel like all the jokes i've ever written i guess i could say i take inspiration from carl baron i feel like i'm observational humor combined with physical and, um, but my storytelling kind of comes from my dad. Like me and my dad are different in a lot of ways, but uh, I love him dearly. But our biggest similarity is probably um, our storytelling. Not necessarily our sense of humor, though I do think a lot of the things he thinks are funny are funny, but then a lot of the things he finds funny, I bloody eyes, dad. <laughs> so, oh, bloody eyes. But he cracks me up, um, but he's very, when you tell stories, he's so animated, the classic, like, if he had a bad day at work, he was, like, describing the other person. The other person talks like this. You know, <laughs> like, should we do this for me? Like, they always sound stupid or they always sound like, so I feel like I got that, that <clears throat> animated attitude from my father. But he's probably a bit more, nah, pretty similar about it, actually, really. Yeah. yeah. I personally um, have. Speaking of char character work, there, Miss Leone, with your characters on Facebook. <laughs> Which way? Oh, Catherine. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I'm just quite observant on like things. I just like to. I know as black fellows, we are storytellers, and you know we use comedy and irony in. You know, hard times as well, I feel like. Well, I haven't personally done stand-up before, but I've done a couple comedic roles and it's just, I think, what I kind of find funny is when people are physically, you know, really chaotic. Like, I know in Brothers Wreck when we did that frog scene, Dion, like when I'm bashing the door... The door with the um. <laughs> <laughs> I can see. 
Like yeah, it's still like, the, the big bang on the screen door. Yeah. And like, I think the beauty as well, oh, trying to keep a straight face when you're telling a really funny story is a test big time. Like in that scene, I hit the mop handle so hard one day on the, um, on the doorway that the mop was like bent at the end and I meant to point it at the boys, but it was bent <laughs> that way. So having to like try and keep a straight face whilst this pole is like pointing toward the body is hilarious. But even like uh, when we did black comedy with like the um, game at a high, game at a hole, like that scene. Oh my God, that was the funniest scene. <laughs> you were hilarious in that. I loved it. Gammon with a hull. <laughs> and gem with a hull. You're funny about me, Oh my God. No, that's deadly. I that's still remember Gani when she come on in uh, one, of, one of the shows we did in Melbourne here and um, there was a can on the floor when we did Brothers Wreck and she come on, she, she, her character's meant to come on and rip my character a new arsehole. And she come on like a like a train, you know, full steam ahead. And she slipped on this can, and she slipped on the ground. But it made her more angry. And I was trying to hold my shit together. But I, I was good to have back to the crowd. But I'm trying to hold my shit together because she's meant to be ripping me a new one. And I'm. It made her more angry. So she she was fine, but I couldn't. I was I was nearly dying of laughing. I'm sitting there breathing, her, her, trying to laugh right in her face. <laughs> I think that keeping a straight face in really funny times is, you know, good fun, but oh. it's testing half. <laughs> it's the it's the best challenge. I love, I love what, like doing um, you know when you you know when you're telling your yarn like doing stand up, you know, and you just hit that right, hit that right joke, and everything just like people just kill it. But you've just got to keep that. They just kill themselves laughing, but you just have to hold that straight face, you know? That's the best. That's so hard. That's so hard. Yeah. I, love it. I feel like that that straight faceness and that cringe, I will admit that um especially if I'm a bit inebriated, I feel like that's how I get the biggest laugh. <laughs> I'm in the smokers area and I walk up to someone and I just like Put my hand out for a handshake and they go to shake it. I was like, oh, that wasn't for you. I don't know why I do it though. Or like, I walk between people as they're talking sometimes. It's really rude, but it is. But I kind of get this, um, in the moment, I get a laugh out of it because I'm like, I know it was so awkward. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but like, I get, that's how I get my kicks. It's people like, do you want to come to the dance floor? I'm like, I'm gonna go fuck with someone. <laughs> oh my god. That's why I don't, why I don't drink. <laughs> oh man, shit. Sorry, I think cringe is one of my, you know, like arrested development. Um, that's, that's one of my favorite shows for that kind of awkward. Has, you know, those dog the dog bowls that they have so the dogs can't scratch. It like goes onto a train and fills that up with Fruit Loops and like pours milk into his, feed from me, feed from me to these dogs on the train and they don't know what to do. It's so, it's so confrontational, but it doesn't hurt anyone. He's not actually, he's just presenting them with this 
situation they have never dealt with <laughs> in their life and they would never deal with again. <laughs> it's so hilarious. I love like, I love being characters randomly. Like if I'm in a friend's house and they've got a bunch of clothes there and sunnies and hats, I'll be like, I'll try to become a character. Like, hey, <laughs> I don't know. That's a big part of the reason why I love acting though as well. Like being characters is so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. With, um, yeah. Especially with physicality and stuff. I, I draw, cause I used to watch a lot of, especially old school standup comedy like Dave Chappelle, Bernie Mac, um, Martin Lawrence. I used to watch a lot and a lot of, um, uh, what's it called? Def Jam comedy, like the originals. Like from the early 90s, that shit to me is hilarious. Yeah. Was, with uh, who had the best, who was hilarious in his physicality was Arnez J, and he is just incredible because he's a, he's a little fella and he's kind of chubby. He, he kind of looks like an African American version of Kevin Capinari, except he's got hair. <laughs> and it's like a, a and, now, and now he doesn't have hair but like I'll say he could be like the African American version of Kev but he's freaking hilarious he does this um one story where he talks about his brother and it's it's freaking hard because he's it's his brother but you know it's about his brother and his brother's um the he calls him the most meanest handicapped person he's ever met <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the, the the story he tells about his brother is Fucking hilarious. Sorry for my language, but yeah. It's one of the best storytellers I still to this day that I, I can watch again and again and still laugh is Eddie Murphy, delirious and raw. Yeah. I can watch those two again and again. Just because of the just it's it's almost like he's having a, a yarn with you, but it's a one-way yarn. He's only he's like talking after class. Yeah. It's impersonations, <laughs> like, like straightforward jokes. He does he sings like and he like seems yeah, good. He's pretty freaking good at Luke. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's they're, they're both honestly great. I prefer them more than most of his movies, except for like Beverly Hills Cop and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, Hills Cop. And what was that other one where we had the uh, the kid? The um, oh. Daddy Daycare. No, 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 no. It's an old one, and it's after he did Beverly's Hills Cop. Cop. And it's um, oh, it's it's gone, gone. Don't worry about it. I've forgotten the name. Uh, I think of it. Next. <laughs> <laughs> While you guys think of that movie that you both can't remember. Uh, what's the best advice you've been given? I've been given. Huh. As I reckon the in regards to what we do or in, in life? Just just in life. Shit. Well, I reckon <laughs> what I ever got was from the old man. There's a, there's a couple of things that I, I've received, but I reckon, yeah, the, easily the best advice. Uh, two things I can remember. One is Kiss. Uh, he got it from one of his old trainers. It's keep it simple, stupid. So basically just keep your shit simple. <laughs> keep like, like when doing something, taking an approach on anything. Just keeping it simple. Like I, I have a task where I have to do, like I have a comedy thing I have to do. 
just keeping that simple and just doing the job. I like keep keep it simple, stupid, stupid being me. <laughs> and then um, one of the other best pieces of advice I ever got from him was just be yourself. When it when it's like with auditions, uh, meeting you know meeting anyone like with work and especially with football and stuff. It's just all, my, all the analogies and everything my dad um, uses come from football because that's where I started was uh, footy. And that's the thing I understand the most that computes in my brain a lot better than most other um, stuff. It's just be yourself. Like when he was talking about um, when Chris Judd was one of the best players in the AFL, he, he stayed, dad used to say, how do you think he walks in the room? He doesn't walk in the room and say, I'm the best. I'm this and that. He just walks in the room, puts his bag down. Everyone can tell uh, a good football player by the way he walks in the room and the way he puts his bag down. I think. One thing that my mum kind of just always taught me, um, what was I saying? Um, you were the best at what you do in your own way and that kind of has stuck with me. Um, to just love your individuality and uniqueness and to believe in yourself, I think. I've always been quite self-critical and, you know... Only within the last year, I've really felt like I've stepped into my power and, you know, done things that I probably would have said no to a couple years back. Uh, you know, I've been quite scared to, you know, try out new things. And I've just kind of like, within the last year, I've just dived into the deep end and just started saying yes to everything. Not, well, not everything, everything, but making sure I'm taking care of myself mentally and physically. But know that I'm enough you know and I've been picked for this job for a reason I've been given these stories to tell for a reason you know we need to be telling our stories and if we have a platform to do that then um I, I went to so I went to school with um Michael Leslie Michael Leslie really shaped my whole attitude and career way back when I was like 18 and his thing his mantra that he used to say to us all like there was me ben gratz jub clerk stephen oliver kamahi king um sheree rankmore it was be true to yourself yeah like that was his main thing it was just be true to yourself he would say that constantly and and, and you'd never you never really like i never really understood it until later and i was like oh okay it's about integrity and it's about making sure that you're doing the right thing and like we've spoken about previously it's about being true to yourself who you are in the community um and you know the and the other thing the other thing that i've really thought about <laughs> and the other thing that i wish somebody would have told me ages ago which i can want to pass on to everybody is you know make make your connections and get to know people and get to know them deeply, understand them, understand who they are, people that you come across, who you're working with and stuff like that, you know, like, yeah. That's, that's my bit of advice that I've been given and the bit of advice that I'm going to give. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I, think I really like that, though, because there's a lot of fake kind of alliances in the industry where it's just like oh if you know that many people and whatnot I think it's really beautiful when you build a genuine connection with each other 100%. as mob I think we do that I think um, mob and what kind of rap we're into and talk about like 
the dynamics of American, Australian, and da da da. But he eventually got to the point where he said exactly what Elaine said, just different words, but about building legitimate relationships with people, not in power. He didn't say power, but I can't think of the word he used. But you know, earlier, and I started messaging a guy called Birdbrain. That's not his real name, but he's a, a Tasmanian producer, and he produces for people like Wombat and. Really and Dundee and you guys might not know who these are but they're like decent names in the underground Australian scene but I started building like a legitimate relationship with him where we like talk every day we talk about not every day but every few days and talk about like and Leonie said my um, mother people but I'm not here to please people either could I educate someone yes are they worthy of my effort probably not would they listen probably not don't worry about others son uneducated people will be around for Forever tormenting others. No reaction at all is sometimes best. This is why mum has a tiny handful of close friends who I consider family. Less friends, less stress. It's a beautiful life. That's also, that's open to you. That's, that, you don't have to listen to that bit. Uh, just trying not to get all tangled up in the social media, news, and especially politics. If you have views and feel very passionate, talk to those closest to you who really understand you. Otherwise, everyone has opinions and then they turn into arguments. I hope this helps. We love you. Very, uh, we love every bit of you, just as you are. But uh, what she said, about, I always argue with everyone. Like Dion said, all the mates have said they see me on social media, like arguing with people, like about politics and that. And I put so much energy into it because I want to turn so many people. And you just you can't win all those battles. So it's like it's good for some of us to like. I'm still glad that I do because I feel like I have energy to spare. I feel like I'm a very energetic person, but also you gotta um, spare yourself sometimes. And like the feedback that we got from people was, oh, you guys were just so natural together and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the, this is where, this is the thing where making friendships and building friendships comes in is because we've all known each other to a friend, like the, the good thing about, so I hosted the Nemas on the weekend with Ben Gratz. And within that, within that live cast, we threw to Jub Clark and Jub Clark and um, Stephen Oliver, you know, and that's where the creative, creative, creativity comes from, you know. And it's and we're really we we all are as artists very blessed to be working in this field, and also know love and respect one another you know i do i found that very um acting the the connection to mob in i don't know if it's melbourne because i haven't lived anywhere else in the mainland but um in melbourne for me particularly at least compared to tassie um there's a really strong connection and yeah com community here with mob like i never had that in tassie and that's not to say they weren't industry because like, even when we're saying before about when there's just no like committees of that, you know, or like theatre groups down there that are black theatre groups and stuff. So I don't know, maybe that's something that I like only this uh, last year I got like offered a role was like a Torres Strait Islander and that was awesome. But I knew that's only there because there's like a strong community here in Melbourne and I didn't, you know, I never got that in Tassie. So it's really nice that that's here. About my, how I used to be a Sri Lankan. And I looked at uh, one of the comments below and someone had said that they still think that's a joke, that it's not based on real life. And I just find that just still hilarious. 
Um, it's really got nothing to do with the question, but that's just like a little bit of, I guess, um, realization that people are gullible and will believe the shit that comes out of my mouth. So yeah, you guys, what's the best joke you've been told or heard? I heard this joke about um, an optimist who was looking at things half empty instead of half full. And I can't remember it exactly, but she was in the park and a homeless man threw a can of Coke at her head and it was half full or something like that. Mariah, Mariah Buyo, um said it in you. But when she said it, it was hilarious because like half full, half empty, but the can was half full and she worded it and it was, it was a really good joke. But I could not, for the life of me, remember how she executed it. But it was probably. I think one of the best jokes that I can remember that I've been told word for word. Uh, it's not. It's not even one of the best. It's just one of the most memorable jokes that I remember because of um, of the show it was in. It was in one of Eddie Murphy's. Um, I think it was in. It was in Raw or Delirious. I can't remember which one it was in. But he he finds it that there's some young kids in the crowd and he goes, "Oh shit! Oh, you're gonna be fucked up when you leave." Then he tells him, "He goes, all right. I'll, I'll tell you a joke that you can tell at school since I've been telling all this dirty stuff." And um, it's a bear and a rabbit are taking a shit in the woods. The bear turns uh, to the rabbit, excuse me, do you have a problem with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says, no, why do you ask? So the bear wipes his ass with the rabbit. I've recently what? found that this year, there's a part two to that joke. And the part two of it is the bear and the rabbit are walking through the woods and they come across a magical tortoise. And the tortoise says, wait, if you don't eat me, I'll grant you both three wishes. And the the bears goes, all right, sweet. Well, first wish, I wish all the bears in these woods were female so I could you know, do what I like and enjoy myself. He goes, actually, wait, I wish all the bears in this country were female so I could do what I like. And the tortoise is like, all right, that's two wishes done. And the bear goes, hang on, actually, you know what? All the bears in the world but me were female so I can enjoy myself for the rest of my life. And the tortoise says, all right, well, you're a bit of a creep, but okay, done. And then the rat, and he turns to the rabbit and says, all right, what do you wish for, mate? And the rabbit says, I've only got one wish. I wish the bear was gay. That's the, that's, that's, uh, I found that at this year, it was the second part of it. That was, that's probably one of the most memorable jokes that I've been told word for word. But my favorite joke that I've ever told was probably one of my first openers. My name's Dale Mayer, I'm a proud man, man. I'm very proud Aboriginal man. And the thing I get when I tell people this is a lot of times, oh really, you don't look at, and I can't help but turn around and say, well, you didn't look like a rude prick, but here we are. That's probably one of my favourite jokes to tell ever. Oh, hilarious. Uh, Leanne, what about you? I don't know. Jokes. Nah. I think you're ready at the moment. <laughs> I, I think I told a joke. In, oh, what's one of the best, best jokes I've told? I run in uni as well about my whenever I watched Desperate Housewives with my nan and whenever the Desperate Housewives would do something wrong I'd be oh that bitch <laughs> oh that cow what a rat <laughs> and after you hear your nan say a few animal names you expected to come flying into battle with the Desperate Housewives riding in on a black horse you cows you rats okay but <laughs> what oh there was an advert. Penguin in a blender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, God. And it sunk. 
It actually sunk. You wouldn't have guessed Titanic 2. You caught you off guard, bro. Oh, my God. I'm not going to any of my jokes, really. Oh, God. What's black and white and red all over? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why'd the girl fall off the swing? What? I'm going to throw a fridge at her. <laughs> anti-joke. That, I had a big period of anti-jokes. What's, what's, what's pink and fluffy? What? Pink ball of fluff. What's blue and fluffy? Blue ball of fluff? Pink ball of fluff holding its breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're fucking cracked! Oh my god! Oh fuck! Oh. How do you get Pikachu on a bus? How? Pokemon. <laughs> I was trying to think of the word. I was like, "There's got to be like a, a word." I was like, "Your Pokemon, get on a bus. How do Pikachu get on a bus? Your Pokemon." Bad. I was good. Shit. What's your favorite joke, Kimmy? My favorite joke. Uh, uh, yeah. It has to be from Kevin Hart, um, where uh, Kevin Hart's performing at like a spelling bee when he was like a kid, and his dad, and his dad, uh, rocks up and he doesn't really like realize that there's like a social etiquette when you rock up to these types of competitions where you have to sit down and shut the fuck up and so he at any chance he gets <laughs> he just screams out for uh, for for uh for kevin but um when he has to actually get down and sit down <laughs> um he's uh he's like you know when People are like sitting down and have to stand up and you have to like wiggle your way through. Um, while he's wiggling his way through, um, he's like <laughs> balls to keep hitting like this young girl in the face because she's not <laughs> she's not wearing any fucking underwear and she's like really grossed out about it. And it's like, you're gonna learn today, you're gonna learn what, what a long dick feel like. Oh. <laughs> she's fucking head down. I'm like, what the fuck? Is that, oh the, is, that, is that the stand-up where he wears like the black leather jacket? Because I haven't watched all that yet. The that's one that's got that really like, famous he, meme. Who's that? He, he for every show he does, he wears a leather jacket. So I don't know what I can tell you, but it's what's the one with the meme where it's like this? Oh, that. Oh, that's like his second latest one. It's on Netflix, so. I can't remember the name of it. Man. Okay, okay. We'll have to check it out. Cool. All right. Uh, so. My eyes a bit puffy. Put <laughs> some water on it and you'll, you'll be right. You'll be right. You'll be right. Um, so we've been talking about storytelling and our experiences with it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the future of storytelling? Not, not like specifically for black followers, but just in general. I think we just need to be more proud with our stories, I think, and sharing it, um, you know, for the generations to come. 
I think a lot of a lot of stuff can be lost over the generations over time. All people, all creatives alike, <clears throat> do embrace, but not um, I think depend on the digital. I think um, our children, our children's children, and their children. You know, <clears throat> non-indigenous people out there. Um, I think not be afraid of it. I hear a lot of the time right now these buildings, this technology. <laughs> everything like that it, it'll be foolish but that doesn't diminish um that doesn't diminish our blackness and how we tell a story i don't think diminishes our blackness what makes a story black or have culture or have that is us of victoria and giving that as a virtual reality experience for people to be able to walk around the plains of yeah, like virtual reality i think stuff like that and telling stories would be so amazing i've already seen some things where um beautiful for communities but i think that's be afraid to bring it into in in a new way, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, that's my bit. <clears throat> my future of storytelling is um, creating my own stories. Now I, um, I'm in the process of writing a couple of things and um, now that I've got well, ample time on my hand with no projects ahead of me and um, you know, basically locked in my house for the next couple of weeks, I've got enough time on my hands to finish, well, not finish writing these, but um, stretch these out a lot more. and. Um, the different modes of storytelling, especially ones that I, I, I enjoy different modes of storytelling. Like I, I love movies. I'm a big movie fan. Like I, I watch the shit out of a lot of movies, I quote a lot of movies, um, cartoons as well. Like I love it. I love Disney cartoons, movies, but I'm also an avid watcher of um, anime and I'm both creating an anime for, for mainly something that I'm to say, so I can say that um, something that I would watch and I, know that i'd watch the shit out of and i had this idea for a um it was an idea for a, um, a tv series or a film but i i've found that um in discussion with a couple of mates that um the best the best oh, platform that i could probably put this other project on is um theater and i'm quite proud of the idea and the concept of it i just need to um I need to finish creating these my own stories now. That's because I love portraying and telling people's stories, but I want to be able to create and portray and tell my own stories. That's what the big thing telling my own stories and telling stories that are about my you know, family, friends, people that I love. That's with um, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be doing my best to create three, three different projects. You know, uh, not create three different projects, but projects with an anime um, a theater piece and a stand-up comedy piece but a larger stand-up comedy piece with a a goal of doing at least a minimum of half an hour and um a really yeah like f the the future of storytelling whether it be digital or whether it be you know live stream whether it be live you know performance or tv cartoons whatever form of story it is but it's the future of storytelling is me telling my own stories yeah that's all being vulnerable as well and being okay with that vulnerability i think really helps us tell our stories and everything like you no know, i plan to a bit later because i feel like i'm still quite young 
I feel like I've still got a lot of living to do and and see my family and everything. I feel like, like, I feel like I've had such a blessed life. I've had some really beautiful moments so far, but there's always been that yearning for a country and the time where we need to start sitting down with our elders alive once they've passed and keep our traditions going on, keep it alive. You know, it's time for us to step up, you know, aunties and uncles, they've been fighting, they've been telling stories for a long long time now and it's also, um, we're gonna step into that power we've got to step into that like all right as and then really quickly say something mm-hmm. go into the matrix uh but also yeah <laughs> um, i mean also that doesn't mean don't not film on location like film on location that doesn't mean don't not make theater make theater like um blackie blackie brown is a perfect example of what i'm trying to say i guess when i say embrace the digital in your storytelling you know like there's nothing wrong with filming on like a camcorder for a little while, but that's the way it is. But it's like, however you do it, yeah, do you stand up to your music, through your art, if you draw, if you paint, anything like that. Like always be, keep telling your stories. Yeah, 100% keep that alive because you do have a creative brain. And if you let it go, Marsh, it's hard. Like I've been written in a while and now I'm having, no, I've been focusing we on are, different topics. So. We are creative peoples as well. That's the thing, you know. Marsh, I'm getting them back, but. Before colonization, before, in the dream time, you know, we've been, we dance, we sing, we tell stories through, you know, art as well. Like we've got so many, we're all artists. It's all in our blood and you know, really take advantage of that um, creative part of us. Type as well, you know, you know, not every, it's, this is definitely a message if you are, you know, it's important. It's a muscle like anything. Mm-hmm. Dion would not go to the gym for five months, you know, because he wants to, and we got to, same shit, you know? brain is a muscle. Sorry, Dion. No, 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 no. no, no. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that. Uh, your create your creativity muscle or your your creativity energy needs to be exercised, and it needs to be exercised lots. If you for for anyone to get better or perfect their craft, you need to exercise it. You need to use it. You need to do it. You need to write. You need to perform. You need to talk or tell stories or you know whatever it is. Continuously be on that on on work, working on it. Mm. and not afraid and even if if even if it like if it gives you more confidence put yourself around like people with similar mindsets who were like creative like you know like you are it helps i will say um for this even like cody like one of my like my best friend my brother but in saying that like i would sometimes be a bit shame about <clears throat> recording raps if he was home you know or even reciting lines but making sure that you know Small towns, you get pulled into that style and just like, you know, remind them that there's another world out there that they can go and do. But I don't know, I was saying the other night to Corey, I would love to work zoo. at a zoo. Yeah, um, oh, she gets it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and when you're around people that get it, it, it can help. But if you're not, you know, just don't be ashamed of being. You know, maybe it's not weird, or but I'm a bit weird. Don't be ashamed of being weird. Don't be ashamed of being. Don't be shamed. Be game. Hell yeah, like the monkey off your back, because like that doesn't mean, you know, if I can, like all the time. If I could, you know, but like, don't be afraid, you know, at all. And if you if you're around the people that you can be like, do that, you know, hundred percent. If if you know you're safe to do that, hundred percent. But um, I think yeah. 
Also that obviously work <coughs> excuse me. That <coughs> fucking hell. Corona. No. <laughs> that, also with the continuously working on it, don't be afraid of taking breaks is very, very important. If you work on something day in, day out, twenty four seven, you're not taking any breaks, you're gonna burn out very quickly. Be gentle to you. Yeah, don't sleep on the effort that fucking sorry. That freaking you know, being an artist takes from you. Yeah. It is a somewhat easy job because it's fun and you love it, but you know, also takes a lot of we can all say that the the show that we just did was no, I personally by on the last day I was I felt like noticeably antsy and you know. 100% I needed like a, a day after that to, and I felt bad because I was going to hang out with the only, but I was like, also, I want to disconnect from the play because sometimes it's, it's crap. There's people in the industry who say that like, Russell Crowe, no, he's not an uncle or nothing, but like, after roles and that, he sometimes like takes two weeks. <laughs> like, it stays in his little shack somewhere so he can like, become Russell again, you know, because, mm. yeah, it'll be emotionally taxing, 100%. Very. And physically, like, it's not like we're sweet it happens, but it's still, like, it's decent hours. And when, like, it was a bit easier because we're on Zoom, but in the space, and especially with, like, you guys know more about film than I would, but... The only experience I've had with film is so much just waiting around. Yeah, sitting around <laughs> waiting, and sometimes you're sitting there for like hours. Yeah, hours. Like <laughs> cold as cold as shit, or like I don't know, just drinking like a sip of water every half an hour. Like, ah, but I, I sound a bit precious, but yeah, <laughs> no. they're, they're things as well. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so, if you guys weren't actors, what would you be doing? Oh man, I was waiting for this question. I read it and I was like, "Yes, I would look and be completely freaking different. I would have tattoos on my throat, neck, head, everything, and I'd work in a gym." No, no, no! Oh my god, no, no! Yeah, no. I, I would just work in a gym and play football. That would uh, literally be all I'd do. Oh, I, I yeah, it was a neck tat. Yeah. <laughs> Throat tattoo, this big fucking tattoo on the back of my head. Like, I had all the designs and everything for it when I was 18, 19, and I was just going to get them all done. I'd be covered by now. But when I was 14, I didn't want, I was like, I remember one time there was like a night after a party, and I must have been intoxicated because the next day my mate's like, Bro, you went up to like 15 people and told them how you're an actor and you're never getting tattoos. Because it won't help your career. But I was just like, yeah, man. And like, look, I like your tattoos. Like going up to this guy named Carl Whiteman, like tattoo designer and artist. Like, I love your tattoos, man. But me personally, like, I'm an actor. Yeah. I'm never going to get tattoos. Well, like, like, uh, no. yeah. I, I did the one gig when I was 15, 16, didn't think anything else was going to come of it. And um, football was a very real career choice. Um, yeah, 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 football would have been a very real, real career choice. I could have possibly, if I stuck at it, possibly been playing professionally. Um, but at the same time, I'm 
I'm I'm very happy with where I am, what I've ended up with. I'm not ended up with like 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 I'm fucking seventy years old <laughs> in my life, but I'm happy with where I'm at and what path I chose. But if I wasn't an actor, it would either be footballer or just working in a gym playing local footy in a chuga. Like, yeah, that would have been it. Because I loved going to the gym and I love tattoos. Uh, like my brother got his first one when, I was, when he was <clears throat> 18 or 21. I can't remember. And I, I'm six years younger than my older brother. And I was like, all right, sweet. Well, he's getting tattoos. I'm getting tattoos. And I had all these plans, like chest, arms, back, neck, fucking head and everything. Yeah, I'd, I'd look, I'd be, I'd be a very different person. I think, and I have like a couple of things, but I'm kind of like, Every now and then I do the first one, which would be um, childcare. Um, but I wanted to be um, teacher once. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did it for a few years. Um, I went to preschools and um, primary schools, and went and taught torch, um, taught. Um, Original dance, traditional dance and like did heaps of workshops and everything. I think that's one thing if I could ever make my own um, business would be, you know, going out to... You know, you know, before YouTube and before the internet was even really like used to network. So, and we all grew up in like rural areas and a lot of people that do have these big dreams and that they do, but you know, Thank, thank the Lord we had the internet, not, not the Lord. Thank someone in America or something like that. Yeah. Of course, you know, they're kind of, <laughs> they're going to probably be afraid of that, but also like be aware of it and that kind of stuff. But you can't. And also if you don't network and if you, if you don't have the patience to network and find out all the people you need to know, I could say this may be risky advice, but you guys know where you can get an agent if you don't have the, time to really like figure out all this stuff still do this stuff but like agents can help and if you get to the point that you want to be independent you know mm. don't not do that but i reckon having an agent since moving helps. to melbourne i've found as well though like networking you've got to be able to sell yourself and be proud of who you are and be comfortable talking to people when you're you know, out at plays out at gigs whatever you need to really sell yourself and work the crap out of Melbourne and I've definitely seen I saw Miranda uh, Tapsell hug her and recognize her. I know, right? And for like five minutes she wouldn't go up to her and I was like, just do it. And then she went for her, I'm Leonie and Miranda's like, I know, I know. Like yeah. <laughs> study, you know, like two weeks ago that and but you know, Queens made that look after yourself, but just like you guys, you're allowed to talk about your feelings. So just do that. Remember that, uh, you know that that are you okay week? That shouldn't just be a week. You we should always be checking in on each other, and especially like I'm, and especially if you're a dude, you know, if you're a dude listening to this, don't be afraid to ask other dudes as well, you know, how they're feeling. The rates um, of suicide during COVID nineteen has been crazy high, even more than the deaths uh, that have taken that have happened due to COVID-19. Um, it is so important, so vital that we look after one another and we check in with one another. 
and as Corey said, not just one day a year um, uh, for Are You Okay Day. That's one thing that really frustrates me about that specific day. Everyone goes all out to check on you and then the next day there's nothing. Um, you should be checking in on your family and friends every single day, no matter if there's a health pen pandemic or not. Um, because just receiving a phone call or a message from a loved one could save someone's life. Um, and I'm a huge advocate for that. I'm constantly checking in on those in my circles, those around me, those who I love and care about, making sure that they're okay. And so they, that they know that I'm a hundred percent there for them. Um, and you know, it sending those kind of messages, even if it's just a hello goes, goes so far. Um, I'd like to thank our, our guests, Leonie Wyman, uh, Corey Saylor Brunskill, Elaine Crombie and Dion Williams for uh, taking the time to come on Kimmy time and just have a big old yarn about storytelling and, you know, where they see the future for storytelling going. Um, it's for me, I didn't step into um, my storytelling journey until you know, my early teenage years and, you know, I've got a long journey ahead of me and I'm very happy that I have people um, that I work with that will walk alongside me to um, help me on this journey of finding out where my place is in this world. So I just want to give a massive thank you to Leonie, Dion, Elaine and Corey for just being a part of um, podcast number two. Uh, so the next uh, podcast will be coming out in roughly two, three weeks um, and it will be on um, uh, Black Nerds. So I am very happy to... Um, bring on my daily cousin Keenan Muir to be on that and yeah just keep keep striving keep living keep being deadly and stay home stay stay healthy wash your hands follow the rules and I'm sure we'll be seeing each other very very soon um Make sure you hit up my Instagram, which is Kimmy underscore comedy. Make sure you hit up my Facebook page, which is Kimmy Lovegrove. And make sure you hit up my website, which is www.kimmylovegrove.com for any upcoming gigs or projects that um, I will be doing. Uh, have a deadly day and hopefully we see each other soon.